Blobfish threw a party because he had no friends. Guess what? He still has no friends. Welcome to another episode of This Goose is Cooked, where we review books intended for future generations. Today's book, Blobfish Throws a Party, by Miranda Paul, illustrated by Maggie Caton, published by Little Bee Books, an imprint of Bonnier Publishing, USA. Blobfish Throws a Party is a story about a lonely fish who thinks throwing a party will help make him friends. His invitation gets heard by everyone and inadvertently saves the world. The author of this story clearly doesn't live in reality. This was a festival-goer's drug-induced fantasy. There wasn't anything of talent to redeem the writing. There was no rhythm or flow to it. The pictures were bright and drawn with neon colors, but they weren't enough to help this off-putting story with its horrible moral. The story begins on a fish named Blobfish. He lives on the bottom of the ocean, where it's cold, dark, and lonely. He has zero friends. The book states, I quote, Blobfish wanted lights, and friends, and definitely treats, end quote. He thought of two ways of getting those things he wanted. One was to throw a party, and the other was to become a hero and save the world. What the hell? This guy's got a better chance of becoming a Victoria's Secret model. Here's an idea. Get a job. Then maybe you can pay for the lights and the treats. As for the friends, get a hobby. But if you're a bum and bring nothing to the table, it might be a little more difficult to get friends. Well, Blobfish eventually settles on the first idea, which seems a little more doable. He shouts, I quote, Deep Sea Potty! Bring a treat to share! Sounds like this fish doesn't even want to put effort into his own party. Yelling out an invitation instead of sending one out? Telling everyone to bring treats? This guy must be broke as a joke. This also doesn't sound like a party. Sounds like a boring potluck that people in their mid-thirties would throw because, you know, they're too old to party. Who's got the IPAs? We're so mature. Of course, because Blobfish just shouted out his party for everyone to hear, it was misheard by literally everyone, and it sets off a ridiculous chain of events. This is what happens when you don't plan. The mermaids heard, I quote, Cheap free party? What the hell? How do you hear that out of deep sea party? Also, the party is most likely either cheap or free. Not both. If the party is cheap, it insinuates that it costs money, but it's inexpensive. If it's free, there would be no money involved. So how could it cost money and be free at the same time? It makes no sense. Well, the mermaids take this as meaning it's a toga party and throw sheets on. And the game of telephone continues to shorebirds hearing their own thing, then monkeys, on to sheep, and farmers, then dancers, then lastly to kids, who hear, I quote, Fling your underwear! And they do it. Well, I guess that's another thing I'll have to teach my future children. Don't take candy from strangers, and if a stranger tells you to fling your underwear, tighten your belt and take off running the other way. As the game of telephone continues, Everyone is dancing in the streets. It looks like Coachella, and everyone is rolling balls. Well, guess who's still alone during all of this, and makes no attempt to join in on the fun? That's right, Blobfish. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a bunch of aliens come down to Earth and want to commandeer all of Earth's candy stores. They travel millions of light years, and that's what they're here for. Sure. Not our resources. 
No candy stores. Not even candy factories. Because they don't actually want to make the candy. They want to purchase it. Or start up franchises on their own planet. This is clear proof that everyone in the story is on drugs. Or at least the author was. How do we fend off the aliens? Everyone throws their underwear. The aliens get grossed out and bail. They come in flying saucers with technology unimaginable, and underwear wards them off. Right. After the aliens hightail it out of there, reporters want to know who got the brilliant idea and saved the world from the alien invaders. So they ask the kids how they got their idea, and they pointed to the dancers, and it starts the reverse game of telephone. And it makes its way all the way back to Blobfish. As I was following along, I found two glaring holes in this premise. One, no way those kids wouldn't take credit. And if somehow the kids were humble enough to pass it along to the dancers, there's no way the dancers wouldn't take credit and pass up all of those accolades and endorsement deals. Second, reporters actually doing investigative journalism. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah right. The story ends with Blobfish getting declared a hero for being lazy and doing absolutely nothing. So I guess plan number two worked out after all. He gets rewarded with money, lights, candy, and even groupies. Be careful what you wish for, because Blobfish will find out that the life he's living now is way more lonely than the one he had been living. What the hell did the author, Miranda Paul, want the reader to learn from this? That festivals and living the glamorous life is so rewarding? It makes you wonder if she took too many drugs at the festivals she went to. Blobfish put in no effort, and he gets rewarded for it. Being misheard isn't being a hero. If he was honest, no one would have declared him a hero. But still, having money and getting fame doesn't get you real friends. Does she want the reader to strive for money and fame? Is putting in effort not cool to Miranda? Well, I love to party as much as the next guy. And just by the title and the colors in the pictures, I was excited for the possibility of this book. I did not expect to be taken on this horrible journey, though. I feel dumber for reading this book. So on a scale from 1 to 5, I'm going to give this book a 1. I'm turning my nose up at it and having none of it. This goose is cooked. Join us next time for another in-depth book review.